Twisted Sister with SMF. And uh, in case you haven't heard, Dee Snyder and Paul Stanley have had a little bit of scrum in the news lately. That's neither here nor there. WLNJ wants to remind you that it's Friday, it's 5 o'clock, and it's Miller time. Coming up next is the Loki and Jabroni Show. Their special guest is going to be Bill Starkey, the founder of the Kiss Army. I'm Dr. Rock. I'm about to pop my first beer, and I'm out of here. Right now, Sinners Inc. In case you guys didn't realize, we just hit it big time. We got our <laughs> own radio station and everything. Yes, sir. I like those call letters, too. W-L-N-J. I think I'm going to get my eyebrows waxed next week. We're hitting it big time. Oh, wait, wait. So I'm gonna, when we go into what's on our minds, I want to tell you about this idea. I ran it by another guy we know, and I don't know if he liked it or not, but he did the same research I did. Either way. Welcome us in, dude. Absolutely, man. That was that was fucking awesome. I love it. Thank you. It. It's been 15 years since I've been in radio. <laughs> Felt good. So how's everybody doing out there? We are actually, uh, once again, recording a small segment of this. As you know, we did a, a two-part interview with Mr. Bill Starkey. It was um, about, I would say, almost 55 minutes into the interview, and Jabroni looked across the table and said, I think we could probably get another one out of him, man. And I said, another what? Another interview? He's like, yeah, I think we could probably go for about another hour at least. I'm still uh, I'm still looking at plenty of questions that I got to oh, ask. Yeah. And the, the I co- didn't even ask what I think I asked, like, one at that point. I mean, he was he, <laughs> he was going. He over. No, he did. He, and, and, that, and, that's, so. and it was funny because, um, you know, we had focus in the in yep. the building. And he was looking at me. He's like, not a Kiss Army fan? I'm like. I'm looking at him and I'm like, dude, are you listening to him? He's 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 letting you know, man. He is telling you. And he's you guys giving, are about to hear everything. He's gonna he's giving you the backstory. Like <laughs> he really did. Well, guys, welcome once again to the Loki and Jabroni show. My name is Jabroni. As always, I am Loki. And we want to thank you for downloading this week's episode. And we especially thank you if you have subscribed to our show. By subscribing to our show, each and every episode is automatically sent to whatever device you use to listen to us on. No fuss, no muss, no headaches, no hassles, no horse shit. Also, as always, log on to iTunes, search for our show, and please leave that review. It helps us move up the charts and... It allows us to bring you more quality entertainment to creep into your ear and violate your brain each and every week. Also, like the Facebook page for the latest updates, video blogs, information, goofy pictures that Loki likes to make, or anything else that crosses our ignorant minds. Which I've been doing a lot of that. Yes, you have. (laughs) What is on your mind before we get into this fantastic interview? Ah, man, let me see. Um, I actually, (laughs) I, uh, I I went to get my rest of my tattoo colored in the nice. other day. Yeah. I get to see it. That's, that's and um, I saw Bess Eaton. <laughs> right? The woman or the donut place? <laughs> yeah, the donut place. No shit. <laughs> now, I haven't seen, now we, we're we in the fine state of Connecticut. And, and I got to tell you. It's been easily 15, 20 years. Easy, right? Right? Since you've, since you've had the pleasure of having an iced coffee with those <laughs> little, little marbly ice cubes. You know what yes. I'm saying? That oh, was, that's Lord. what really made 
the Didn't iced they coffee. Didn't invent the iced coffee? I think they did. I told people that before, and I could be completely wrong, no, but if but I'm most not people, mistaken, and I think they were. And I, I, I'm again. I'm going to go back to my radio days. I would go in at midnight, and. Down on Hamburger Hill in Groton, there it was, bright yes. shining light yep. on the corner. Yep, Best right Eaton. across from freaking uh, Blockbuster Video, and Ground Round, Ground Round, A and P, or yep. Wall Bombs, or whatever. Yep. All, the, yeah, all A&P those back in the day. Yeah, and I would. This is back in the day when I drank a lot of coffee. I was I was running myself ragged in those days, and I would when they I, I, that was the first place I ever saw iced coffee. Yeah, and I tried one. It wasn't my cup of uh, okay cup. It wasn't my cup of tea. It wasn't my thing. But at the same time, it was interesting. But it was like I said, what 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 really got it for me was those those the round, the ice, yeah, yes. And you could sit there and chomp on it, and you'd have a little bit of that coffee flavor. It left reminds over. me now that you mention it, and I do remember it. It's like uh, it was like ice cube dipping dots, if you will. <laughs> yes. Am I yes. far off? No, that's that's pretty. That's a good analogy right there. I like that. If I best if, like if, that. if the best eating company did not invent iced coffee, I'd be very surprised. I think I think you might be right though, because I've even brought that up to people before, and they're like, no, 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 and I'm like. I'm pretty sure, dude. I don't remember ever having an iced coffee before I had a best. That is, a, that's you know coffee. what? I think you're right. So that was kind of like that's a, weird. A random, strange. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I haven't seen one of these seriously in in, in decades. Like wow. you said, in decades. And I and there it was, right across from the tattoo parlor. Nice, right there. That's fantastic. <laughs> I was like, okay. Got, I guess it's got to be a Rhode Island thing, you know? Maybe because it is. I think they. I think they said that they had like about three. Three or four that they knew in the area, so maybe it's just. It was you know. a best eaten. Best eaten was the Dunkin' Donuts of his day. Oh my god, we had it a was. best eaten what every five miles Everywhere, around here. Man, now there's a Dunkin' on every fucking corner. Yeah, now we can't get rid of Dunkin's. Oh, fucking. real quick before I go into my point, I went back to that same Dunkin' Donuts we talked about a couple weeks ago. Where yes. the guy asked me if they wanted the iced tea. Yeah, yeah. Hot, walked in again. Same jackass. Same Still order. Has job, huh? <laughs> same. Question. Oh my God. And at this point, I blew up at him. I'm like, let me ask you, let me ask you this. I was here three weeks ago. I ordered an iced tea. You asked me if I wanted it hot. Now you're asking me again. Do you, who ties your fucking shoes in the morning, kid? <laughs> oh, hopefully he said, he got uh, mad. He went and got the manager. Manager comes over and says, Can I help you, sir? And I explained the story. And the manager just kind of did one of those head in the hand, yeah. rubbing the yeah. temples, looked up at me and said, Sir, I'm sorry. I'd like to give you order for free. I said, no, I've already paid for it. I don't mind paying for it. Just understand what kind of ignorant high school dropout switched off idiots you have running your register. Yes, yes. Because if I ask for a jelly donut, the last question I want is, do you want jelly in that? Well, no or, shit. Or taking your credit card and being like, thank you, Mr. Bernays. Um, Bur, 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 B. Mr. B. Yeah, right. That's how I know not to talk to people on the phone. You can't pronounce my name. I'm not answering the fucking yeah, phone. Exactly. Right? I've already answered. I'm just not speaking to you. I tell them I'm telling them I'm dead. Anyway, um, there's a gentleman at work named Kevin Wallace, and we I, I spoke of him way, way back. Yeah, he wanted yep. to be the director of internet security for the Logan Jabroni show. And every day he comes up with a cockamamie idea. He calls it his million dollar idea. So well, he's still working with you, so obviously he hasn't gotten a million dollars. Oh, some idea to work some yet. of them are good and some of them are not. The problem is this <laughs> this kid. He's a, I think he's twenty five, so he's not really a kid. He sits in front of the tube all night and watches Shark Tank and thinks I can do that. Yeah, as we all do. Well, well of course you can, but the idea's already been right. shown. <laughs> but look, you know, we all watch Wipeout. We watch American Ninja Warrior or all these shows. And say, I can do that. I not, can do not that. American Ninja Warrior. Dude, not to cut you off, but you know they actually the one, finally got the a American fucking winner, kid. dude. Yes, I Holy watched that video. Shit. <laughs> and he did it like it was a walk in the park. 
could, fantastic for could him. Could you honestly? Could could I? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I proved that at Nomad's Adventure Quest up north near Hartford when I did the mini wipeout. Yeah, the thing. mini wipeout it challenge. Kicked my ass. Yes, yes. Any, anyhow, yep. I went and picked up the Immortal Beloved from her flight. She's back from Haiti. She yep. uh, another incredible trip for them. They exceeded their numbers. So props to you, Angela. Um, and I had an idea, and I'm going to ask you. Just like I asked Kevin, and I'll bring the other guy into the story in a minute. What is the least manly thing you can do to improve your appearance? Not Let's take a couple things out. Let's take your clothes out. Let's take makeup out. Anything surgical. What is the least manly thing you can do to improve your appearance? The least? To, to improve it or to make improve you? To improve it. To improve it. And the least manly? The least manly thing you can think of. Uh, clean your fingernails. You've hit it. <laughs> Manicure and pedicure, right? What man is actually going to say, uh, and you know where this came from? Uh, again, I'm, I'm at the hotel. I'm, uh, we rented a hotel room. I go pick Angela up. It's butt-ass, oh, dark 30 in the morning when yeah, she yeah. comes in. I watched Coming to America, and the Arsenio Hall character says, I'm badly in need of a manicure. Yeah. Boom, there's my million-dollar idea, mine. And I said, what we need is a manly manicure pedicure place and i have a name in my head and i brought it to a friend of the show a friend of ours jason lyon jason likes to come over and listen to kevin babble yeah and then comes over to my x-ray booth and goes is that kid crazy yeah that's the most ignorant idea i've ever heard and i say jason i can't i cannot comment on kevin so kevin's not at work the other day thank god when i come up with this idea and here comes jason our daily laugh fest and i say yep. jason i got it it was my million dollar idea. I already came up with the name, the Macho Manny Petty, Macho Manny Petty. Yeah. And if Randy Savage was still alive, I'd want him to do the ads. Now, there is a place I did my research, and Jason obviously did his because he'd seen this and heard about it before. He said, "Well, there's a place in New Orleans, is a sports bar, with that kind of thing for guys on the side." And I said, "I know that. I researched it, but it's an offshoot of this sports bar. I'm thinking of one place. Mm -hmm. Make it manly. Get like." 30 Hooter girls or Playboy bunnies or whatever kind of hotness you want. You know they're going to have to be Chinese. Maybe. Maybe get some the American girls. The only ones that know how to do went... fucking nails, well, man. Well, there's girls who went to cosmetology school here in the States that could probably, but, I, but you're right. The, the <laughs> proliferation. Look, Loki said that, not me. I'm throwing that out you're there You're damn now. right I said that because it doesn't matter where you go into, man. I swear. I um, just get 30 hot women. A wall of televisions, like our friend Mark Gazzardu has in his in his man cave in his basement, sports or mob movies or whatever the case, and have I wouldn't say a bar, but a small selection. You want to sit down while you're having your mani pedi? You're feeling a little bad about yourself? Have a Crown Royal. Feeling a little bad about yourself? Have a Jim Beam. Not your yeah. macho again, right? You got the sports page in front of you. You got you can have anything. You, and it's just one of those places where men can feel like men and get there. Like you said, it's very unmanly. Men. Cut their fucking nails with bolt cutters half them. the time. I bite. I, I bite, bite them and spit them at people. Oh, I'll spit them anywhere. I just I, I relish in the. I'm when just they... letting you know. So if you, you happen to walk by me and you feel something <laughs> flick in your face, I'm sorry. That's probably one it's, of my fingernails. It's Mike doing his thing. <laughs> That's my fingernail. Now, you know, and and we laughed about it, but it's funny that I did that research because I didn't want to come in and sound like Kevin. And uh, yeah, props yeah. to you, Kevin. You come up with some ideas, but some of them are good. Most of them are crazy. I didn't want to come in with this idea and not have the research done. So, Dude, I, I come on. It up. I mean, you need some of the crazy ideas, though. For for example, go ahead. Corn dog. 
Mm-hmm. Who in their right mind said, you know what would be awesome? <laughs> if I take this here hot dog and surround it in some delicious corn fritter goodness. Judge, judging that? by judging by the voice you used, I would guess it's someone south of the Mason-Dixon line. I think and that's so. Nothing that's wrong with that. I'm from south of the Mason-Dixon line. I accept my heritage. However, we're not the brightest people on earth, folks. And it probably used lots of Tabasco with that. Uh, no, I enjoy my coin dog Every with uh, mustard. Oh, good God. <laughs> so, and, and I wanted to, I wanted to be humorous, and I thought that was a really great thing. No, that is. And I like that. next week, I'm letting you guys know it, it, it's on. Next week, I have uh, From the Mind of Jabroni after we bring you part two of Bill Starkey. Yeah. Um, very wonderful week for me this week. I want to put that out there next week, but I don't want to take away from Bill too, too much. But... um. You said it in the beginning. I was going to ask you, but you kind of you you jumped right into it. We did. We learned a lot in both parts. Oh yeah. Well, in the first in the second part, you guys, like I said, you'll you'll hear. Obviously, in the first part, there's a there's a, there's a lot of background, and and it'll work for people that really don't know his background or know what what he's about. Or where he even came from. Even like he said in in, in the interview, he's got students. Mm-hmm. That still don't even know who he is. Oh, absolutely. You know I mean, you don't, unless you're in this world, unless you're in the Kiss Army or just that Kiss Nation, if you will, you don't know Bill Starkey from no, the hole in the no, ground. No, exactly. And, and it, I think that goes with a lot of, like, say, fan clubs. You know what I'm saying? You don't really, I mean, you know who obviously the fan club's about, but mm-hmm. do you really look down and see who the president is? Or no. do you see who, you know, the head head honcho is? Their name know. is at the bottom of your little certificate. That exactly. You get, but do you or exactly. And and when you like do something special or something and they send mm-hmm. you an award, it'll be down there. But do you, do you look at it? Well, you know I, go, what I'm I go back to Mark Slaughter on this and when they did a self run fan club. Yeah. So if you got a certificate that said Slaughter Fan Club, you got the four names at the bottom. You might think, oh, that's hand stamped and it's run by somebody else. We learned that day. Mm-hmm. Slaughter, uh, Mark Slaughter, Danish Drum, Tim Kelly, God rest his soul, and Blas Elias ran their own fan club. Right. Which I thought was fantastic. But here's a guy from Middle America, folks, that just decided to start something. It caught wind to the Kiss people. The Kiss people found him. He didn't find them, they found him. Yeah. And he ran with it. It was just amazing. So well, it definitely was. So what we're gonna do is um, we're gonna lead right into this part of the interview. Obviously, you'll hear Jabroni um, setting it up and and getting the first uh, part of the conversation going. This first part, like I said, is approximately uh, fifty eight minutes long. Um, we're gonna we're gonna wrap the show around that. Obviously, we're gonna be we're gonna be cutting out here in about like twenty seconds, leading right into that interview, and then we're gonna follow out for the last fifteen minutes of our show, doing our normal you know fifteen minutes like we always do. Um, and then the next week we'll be doing the exact same thing, coming back, giving you about fifteen minutes of the opening, like Jabroni said, a little bit of from the mind of Jabroni. God, I like the way he did that. We and... need Ed to produce a spot for both of us. <laughs> it's Loki's last laugh, or from the mind, with some so, ethereal music behind. Exactly, I do have some ethereal. So we are gonna <laughs> throw right out and uh, let you guys learn a little bit about the Kiss Army General. You wanted the best, you got the best. Gentlemen, I am proud to introduce the founder, the general, the field marshal, if you will, of the KISS Army and the person that made me a card-carrying member of the KISS Army, Mr. Bill Starkey. Bill, how are we doing today? Yeah. I am doing fantastic. I am so... Pleasure to be on the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. I am thrilled to have you here as a card-carrying member, if that's possible, 40-some years later, of the KISS Army. 
If I can't have the band, I want the man who made it possible. <laughs> He did, he did say that when we first started this podcast. He said, if I can't get KISS, I am going to get the general of the KISS Army. So I know he's excited about this. He didn't even tell me his name when I first met him. That's what he said. <laughs> I was like, this is my name. Just get out. <laughs> so let's go Let's go back to the very, very, very beginnings. You're for, you were originally from Terre Haute, Indiana, correct? Right. So how did KISS permeate your existence? Well, they permeated my existence. Actually, I think the first time I was sitting down at the table and I was eating breakfast and there was a picture of Gene in our TV news guide saying that the band Kiss would be performing on, um, I believe it was Don Kirster's In Concert. And the picture just of Gene alone was enough to get one's attention. And I, I noticed it and I didn't. I mean, that, that was about the, it was enough to get me to stop and, and take notice. And then, of course, I finished my serial and went on uh, to school. And I, I always watched uh, Don Kirchner because it was the only time to see any kind of rock concerts live. And actually, I remember tuning in that night just to see Foghat. And uh, Kiss came on. And needless to say, I completely forgot about Foghat. <laughs> and I just could, couldn't get over what I saw. And I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. Well, and um, I had my typical rock bands that I liked, you know, the Alice Cooper. And I was also into a lot of the glitter bands, the Bowie and Slade and Mata Hoople and, and that kind of those English bands fascinated me. I thought Kiss was so cool that I thought, well, are these guys really underground or what? How come I haven't heard of these guys? And I was lucky because my father was an expediter, which means he shipped records for Columbia Records in Terre Haute, which at that time produced the most records in the country. Wow. And the CBS Records was their one of their main plants was there and I think there was one in New Jersey and one on the West Coast. But the most of the production was done in, in the Midwest because it was easier to ship things out of the Midwest. It was a central location all and my dad was always up into into popular rock because it was his job to to, you know, do that kind of stuff. But it, it didn't it didn't impress him as far as music goes because he was more into like Sinatra, Mario Lanza, all these you know these guys with great voices and all this so easy listening music and all that. And um, he knew that I liked the, it was interested in the band and, and uh, it just so happened he handled the Warner Brothers account and um, they shipped Kiss at that time because Casablanca Records was new and he was able to get me the first album which included the original poster, which I still had to this day, which is worn like a kid's bad baby blanket. Wait, wait, wait. You, and, st you still have the original poster that came in the initial pressing? Yeah. That's mm -hmm. fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I, it's really, like I said, it's really worn, guys. I mean, it's, and it, it came, it, I've got the record that, and all that, and it's folded and all that. Uh, to this day, I think it's one Battle of the greatest. Battle Scars. Battle Scars, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the greatest Kiss posters ever. I mean, they could they could reproduce it and still sell a mess of them, I think. And um, I've gotten the first album, and then um, lately after that, uh, a little bit of time after that, my, my co-partner, as a matter of fact, he was the field marshal. I was commander-in-chief. Oh, okay. So, just, so Jay, I, ap was, I apologize for that intro. Well, you... it's just to Jay. Oh, you are to Jay. I mean, he is the field marshal. He's... He's my 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 uh hey he call he helped call the shots there okay and and um, Jay had also gotten the first Kiss album well, we liked it a lot and um, 
we knew they were, we thought we thought they sounded pretty good. It was all about the music to us. Of course, the, the image was great. And then Hotter Than Hell came out, and my my dad had always kept daring. He said, you know, would you like to go to a rock concert one time? Because I'd never been to a lot of rock concerts, any rock concerts. I mean, let's face it. I mean, in Terre Haute, not a lot of people came through there at that time. And dad would occasionally get comp stuff, comp tickets. And um, he asked me if I wanted to go see, at that time, Deep Purple at Market Square Arena. And okay. I thought, well, yeah, that, that'd be a nice first concert. Of course, my dad, he would. He would assume all responsibility of taking me there, making sure that I got back safe and sound and everything, because that's what my parents were. Well, it just so happened, um, the concerts for Deep Purple fell through, and I think the, the show may have sold out or something. And again, it was a Warner Brothers thing, and he knew I liked Kiss, and he said, well, would you like to go see Kiss instead? And I said, oh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'll go anywhere, you know? So here, here it is. It's a Sunday night, December the 8th. and That's my really birthday, sir. Holy crap. December the 8th on a Sunday night. That's awesome. It was also odd. It was the day in the NFL, I think, that O.J. broke the NFL rushing record or something, which is kind of weird. So good things so do happen so here's my dad my and my little brother and me. We go in this beat-up pickup truck, and we drive all the way to Evansville to see Kiss. And, of course, the tickets don't arrive at the will call thing, and oh, wow. my dad gets frustrated, and he dive, drives around Evansville looking for Kiss albums in hopes that he can call a phone number from Casablanca and maybe explain the situation, knowing that, uh, unknown to him that you're not going to be able to find any Kiss albums in Evansville, Indiana at that time because it was things were the band was just that unknown. And so we, the, the dad came back to the will call window, and of course the concert had already still been going on, and the lady I think felt sorry for us and just let us in. And wow. we sat there, and and um, the place was incredible. It was packed, and at that time there was three bands, and it was Kiss sharing the bill with ZZ Top. I think they traded off sharing headline status from city to city and this will happen for this night CZ Top was listed on the marquee first and there was a there was an opening band and then Kiss and then CZ Top well of course when we got there though the first band was just about ending their set and um, Kiss came out and they just blew me away well I mean they blew my dad away as well I mean it was just, just amazing um, the song sounded so much different live than they did on the studio albums. At that time, there were only two albums. And there was strange stuff, like the KISS logo was off to one side and it was on the on the stage. And the KISS didn't have a whole lot of stage area to perform on. But if you just it's kind of hard to explain if you'd never seen the band live before. You had no idea what, what was going to happen. Right. I mean, the visuals, <laughs> the fire breathing, the sirens. I mean, it was very high energy. And um, after the band was done, CZ Top came out and maybe played one or two songs. And my dad turned to me and he said, "Had you seen enough?" And I said, "Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was it was just really oh. once you saw Kiss in December of '74, and then the next band, it just wasn't it just wasn't the same. And CZ Top's a great band. Don't get me wrong and all that, but live and all that, it just didn't do it. So here I am." When this long two-hour drive back to Evansville, the trek from Evansville to Terre Haute is horrible anyway. I've lived in Indiana. Late, I know exactly what you're talking about. It, 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 that is a, a long and drive. It's a, and it's a late Sunday night, and you got to go to school the next morning. You're thinking, how in the hell am I going to tell these kids what I saw? So, you know, being the typical nerd, geek kind of guy I was, I get ready to get on the bus, and it's cold, and you get on the bus, and I get in there, and Jay's on there, you know, because we're, right, we're, you know, we're practically down the street from each other, and I'm saying, I went to see Kiss last night, and I said, you're not going to believe these guys. They're incredible. 
I said, it's, it's, it's nothing like you could ever imagine. And Jay, Jay, he believed me and all that. But there was a few kids that were going like, you know, Stark, you've never been to a kid. You've never been to any concert before, so what do you know? Of course, your first concert's going to – you're going to feel that way about your first rock concert because, you know, what you know. Can, you I, know, can, I, can, I, can I interject real quick? My, yeah. fir- my first concert was in 1978. It was the Charlie Daniels Band. And if somebody wants to say that your first concert sets a tone, I'm calling bullshit right now because four years later I saw Kiss on the Creatures tour and that blew everything away. Because if I went yeah. by my first concert experience, Charlie Daniels is the man. <laughs> well, and see, back in back in '74, you wore your band like you wore some sort of a badge and an NFL team. Yes, exactly. It was like he was. Except we didn't have our T-shirts made or anything like that. That would come later. And and fortunately for me, Jay Jay was was a good guy, and and he went along with me. And um, um, it just so happened that three weeks later, um, Kiss was be, would be playing Indianapolis in a mixed bill called Christmas Jam at the Indianapolis Convention Center with like six or seven other bands. There was like a band called Hydra, Quicksilver Messenger Service. Um, Rush was supposed to have been there. They were on the marquee, but they didn't show. Fuck but Rush. The main feature, excuse me? Fuck Rush. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. I mean, Thank whatever. you. I mean, but, but you know, i got to admit, I enjoyed the early Rush shows with Getty and Alex. They were incredible. Um, before they went to that Fair space rock stuff, journalism. yeah. No, no, no. First of all, all right. let's, let's stop now. here. Let's stop here. Fair and balanced journalism has no place on this podcast. <laughs> I, I'm i going to agree with Bill. The 70s, late 70s Rush stuff was amazing. Everything they did after, I want to say, 81, was that moving pictures, was garbage. And that's where yeah. I'm gonna, that's where I'm going to base my Rush hatred off of. When I hear Rush on the radio, it's radio-free five minutes. I'd rather listen to wind pour through my ears than listen to Rush at any point in time. <laughs> All right. So my dad gets this wild hair, and he sees, sees in the paper that Kiss is playing again. He's telling my, he's kind of daring my mom, and he said, you know, James, he goes, you got to go to this rock concert. He goes, it's nothing like you think, and, and these guys are especially the guys to go see. And my mom says, all right, I'm, I'm game for it. So here's my second show, and this time my mom takes me and said, oh, my dad and my brother goes with me, and my dad babysits my sister and takes her to an auto show or somewhere to, uh, driving around the cities of Indianapolis. And we go to this concert, and it starts at 5 p.m. So we're sitting there through all these shows, all these bands, and Ario Speedwagon was the headliner. And, of course, Ario had Riding the Storm Out, and they were like the Hoosier Native Son band. Everybody liked they could do no wrong, got plenty of airplay and all that, and they got out there, and they did fine and all that. And then it wasn't until almost after midnight when their set was done, and the guy yells, stay tuned for Kiss. And my mom was a little antsy because she'd said, We'd sit through all these bands, and she'd seen enough and heard enough and whatever. And, and, you know, of course, this wasn't her cup of tea either. And I kept begging her. I said, no, we need to stay for Kiss. This is why we came. This is why we came to see Kiss. So it wasn't like till 1230 Sunday morning, um, Kiss comes on, and Paul Stanley yells, hey, Indianapolis, better late than never. And they get out and, and just totally kick ass like they do. But the funny thing was, playing last, there was only so many of us that had stuck around for them because after REO Speedwagon, you know, what else is there? And anyway, who ever heard of an opening act playing last? Uh, at that time? At that time, nobody. Right. But they did. And trust me, the show was just as dynamic, just as incredible uh, then than it was in Evansville. So I'm coming back to 
Jay the next day on the bus, and I go, man, he goes, I saw Chris, I got my second show, you know, and it was incredible. And um, he said, he said, really? And I said, yeah. And I said, uh, I said, second time, man. I said, it's, I said, everything's different about it. I said, it's a very high energy show. I said, uh, they're all over the place. I said, it's, it's, it's incredible. So, you know, Jay starts doing cool stuff like um, preaching the gospel of Kiss. He's even bootlegging uh, eight-track discs, or uh, eight-track takes, excuse me, of, of Kiss music to his friends. And he probably was the one that came up with the idea that said, you know, let's call up the radio stations and see if if they'll play Kiss, because Jay was big on the request line. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't, because I didn't listen that much to the, to the radio as much as I did you know, just playing my albums. So when he, we originally tried to call in and request Kiss stuff, of course we were re- rebuked numerous times. Now this is in seventy. Say, this is in seventy four, seventy five. Seventy four, seventy five. Yeah, they said, well, we don't play Kiss and all this stuff. And so while this is all going on, you know, um, we're starting to take some heat from our our classmates because the cutting comment was, "Well, Starkey, if they're so fucking great, why aren't they on the radio?" And and it, that hurt so bad to hear that because there really wasn't any 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 rebuttal that we could we could come up with, you know, other than to take it. That that was it, you know. Well, we needed to get them on the radio because because I knew what I'd seen and I knew that they were far better than anybody I had seen since then. And and so yeah, then after that I'd seen a few other shows. I'd seen the Eagles and the Doobie Brothers, and they came to our our Holman Center and and they. Put on good shows, but I told Jay, I said, and he was looking at some of the shows. I said, I said this can't compare to a Kiss show, man. I mean, no, no way. Now I have to, and I have to, I have to draw a comparison here to what I've always thought about the band, and I've seen them forty-four times in my own life. That just goes back to eighty-two. Um, what you heard on the record did not translate to what they provided live. How hard was that to enunciate to your brethren in high school? And I think you were in high school at the time when this was happening. Right. How yeah, this was our... how hard was that to tell your friends what you hear on the record is not exactly what you're hearing live? It it was almost futile. I mean, because like I said, Jay was <laughs> providing the the free copies of the music, and um, that helped some, but um, things really didn't work for us until about March. And that's when my, my father was in a terrible accident, and he was had fell down the basement stairs, and he was in intensive care. And he was, like, in intensive care for, like, a couple of months. It was terrible. And um, I was in the hospital uh, lounge, the lobby, and there just so happened to be an Indianapolis paper in the um, lounge. And I picked it up and going through the entertainment section, and by God, there was a Kiss concert in there. And this time, they were headlining. Well, I wow. went crazy. I said, "Oh, I got to call Jay." I said, "I knew, I knew I was onto something." I said, "Now these guys are headlining." It says April twenty second or twenty third, nineteen seventy five at the convention center. See, Kiss with with special guest Rush. So Jay was able to help me round up like three carloads of our friends who had kind of showed an interest in the band but didn't really know what they were seeing. And I and and we said, "Let's take a caravan and drive up to Indianapolis." And um, and you're in Terre Haute well, at the time, right? Now, so, you know, I'm real quick, real quick, real quick. I don't mean to stop you. Explain to the listeners how far Terre Haute is from Indianapolis. Seventy, seventy-eight miles. So two-hour ride, pretty much. And and you know, um, tickets were five bucks, which was was a pretty cool deal. 
And so we were able to take three carloads of guys, and um, we got up to the to the show, and uh, Status Quo opened up the show, and they were an awesome English band from the 60s, that great, great, very underrated warm-up band. Rush came out, opened up with Anthem, and then went right into everything. They only had two albums out at that time. Right. And that was fine for me with, with the first one and then Fly By Night. And then Kiss came out, and it was just unbelievable. And Jay had convinced me to, he said, you know, none of this stand in the seat ship this time. He goes, let's go to the stage. He goes, I want to be as close to the stage as possible. And he says, and I want to be by Simmons' stage. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's the craziest of any of them, you know? Wow. I said, what's going what's to happen? going to puke blood on, on us or something? <laughs> so Jay convinced me, he said, we're going to go to the, we're going to go, we're going to stand, and we're going to be like five rows away. And no. back in those days with festival seating, it was it was um it was pretty bizarre. I mean you you basically fought for your space and you stayed there and you stood and you and and the 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 sound was just I still say to this day there there must be some sort of limits on sound because they were one of the loudest bands I ever heard back then. To to this day I still have not heard anything as loud. I agree with I you. I don't know what I don't know what it was. But that just intensified the effect, the fact that they were assaulting you that way and visually. So they came and they did the same, you know, pretty much almost the same set that they did for Kiss Alive. And I'm not even sure if they played rock and roll all night or not, because at that time, Dress to Kill had only been out a few weeks. I, 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 course, I, would, I would definitely say that maybe or maybe not. It hadn't hit at that point in the time you're describing because rock and roll all night kind of bubbled later on. Yeah. Now so, I think you've already answered my answered the question I was going to ask next. But why Kiss? I mean, I know why for me, but why for you back in seventy four, seventy five? What made this band so dynamic that you decided to take on and carry the flag for such a band? I felt that this was a band where all four guys had like an equal sharing in the band. Visually, vocally, musically, um, it was almost like a Beatles thing or Beatles on steroids. They combined all the cool things that I liked about Beatles on my... steroids. I what a, love what that. a great analogy! <laughs> that is a great analogy. Well, I mean, it it, it, it was like um, you know. I'm going to quote you on that, sir. <laughs> I am so going to quote you on that. You can quote me, but I'm sure someone else would also come up with that quote. Is what I thought. I but think see, that's I the thinking... first time I heard that one. Really. I was a big Alice Cooper fan, and to me, Kiss was like, they, they they just filled in all the blanks that were missing for the other bands. Like, I liked Mott the Hoople and Bowie and, and the Glitter Band, but this was an American band. And plus, we were fascinated with the fact that this was an American band, and they were from New York. And when you're from Indiana, you know, you kind of look at New York and L.A. in different ways. Kiss was just, yeah, of course, people say, well, that was the first band you saw. But I think everything had had like a fatalistic kind of thing to it i mean it was that's just the way it was meant to be and it was meant for jay to follow and and we created a a, a huge following and so when we came back from indianapolis after my third show jay's first we had a following we had like the disciples and so then it wasn't really hard to just spread the word now we were still up against the wall because people were still giving a shit about well they're so great how come they're not on the radio well, one of Jay's friends ended up printing some um, homemade T-shirts copied off the first album, and we picked a certain day or two where we would say, well, we're going to wear our Kiss shirts this day. 
and there was a couple pictures taken, and one of them was in the bathroom of our high school. <laughs> and um, and well, we couldn't think of any other place to have a meeting. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like smoking in the boys' room because we were all like the geeks of the school. So the first we related to ki- the first ever meeting of the Kiss Army, the was in a bathroom. The leaders of the Kiss Army met in a high school bathroom. Yeah, I think it's quite all. appropriate. That's ground root. That that's grassroots, bro. I'm very I'm very proud to hear that. Especially, yeah, I mean. And and to this day, I'm still on Facebook with, with a lot of those guys that are in that picture. And, um, you know, we still had, we were still up against the wall because, you know, Errol Smith and, you know, Leonard Skinner were real popular back then. And they had also come to Terre Haute. Did not sell out the arena, but got enough to the point where they were getting tons of airplay that Kiss wasn't getting. And we were still going up against the, the, the radio personalities who just said, you know, well, eventually they told told us that the program director didn't like the band. He thought they were, quote, New York fags. Wow. And, uh, or yeah. another another New York fag band, I guess, like the Dolls or something. And that's probably a typical Indiana Hoosier-like response yeah. to the, yeah. I don't know, whatever you think is going on in the East and West Coast. And we continued to call and write letters to the radio station. It was like, what one writer called it Chinese water torture. Wow. We we were we were gonna try to get our way one way or the other. So this so, isn't this isn't unlike the East Coast, West Coast rap thing that happened in the nineties. This is a lot like well, West Coast bands versus East Coast bands in the seventies for rock and roll. Well there there was bias. I mean the cool thing about radio in the seventies is yeah, you you could hear everything from Captain to Neil to Inagata DeVita on the same radio station sometimes. But there was a whole lot of um That was, that was people. back when DJs had more control over Thank the music you, Eddie, for pointing that and out. And there was a yeah. lot of bias. There was a lot of bias. And, so and I'm the, not saying it's So if the DJ didn't like, say, Kiss or Alice Cooper or Led Zeppelin, they could decide not to play those particular artists. Right. But 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 usually in, in uh, our case what was holding us back with Kiss, I believe, was just total album sales. Because at that time, Alive had yet to be released. All we had were three albums. And they weren't selling and, that great. And they weren't selling that great. Cooper was selling. Errol Smith was selling. I'm sure Leonard Skinner was selling. And, and that was the the thing that they had. But, um, you know, that's what we were up against. So let me ask you a question going forward. You guys are on the grassroots, meeting in the bathroom, doing your thing. You decide to invent the Kiss Army. Now, right. there there are stories abound for 40 years about how you guys took it upon yourselves, you and Jay, Jay Evans, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you and Jay Evans would pound the radio stations, play Kiss, play Kiss. They're giving you resistance. Finally, something happens, you find a DJ who has your interest at heart. We're going to play Kiss. Tell me what happens from there. We were lucky that a new radio station had started up not too far from where the other one was located. And um, the guy's name was Ed Gansman, and he was he was very open to playing Kiss. And um, that helped. But at the time, he had a newer station. They didn't probably didn't have the ratings that the other station had. Um, we got into him first, and then eventually, um, we got into WVTS, which was our main goal, and, um, 
the funny thing was that uh, they 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 would they would still try to play games with us. Like they would play Love Theme from Kiss, or they would play um, something and then not say that it was Kiss. And Jay would call up, or Norari would call up and complain and say, "Hey, you played it, but you didn't say who it was." So it was the same as not getting any airplay at all. Eventually, they asked for me to bring my records down to the station so they could copy some cuts because they told me that the program director had destroyed their KISS albums. So can you imagine me going to ask my mom to borrow the car so I could take my KISS albums over to the radio station so they could copy them? My mom was thinking, like, what, what's the big deal about this? Why is this so important, you know? Yeah, so exactly. that was the kind of stuff stuff we would do. And... um of course, we would. I would have fun writing these letters. We would write these funny letters that says, you know, if you don't play Kiss, we'll blow up the radio station, and we would draw a picture of Gene blowing a big fireball or something. <laughs> yeah. Is this is this going into the Kiss Army letter of the day? Exactly, and that's when Kiss Alive came out in September. Forty years, as a matter of fact, to rumble around this day. Not far from this. Yes, it was just recently the anniversary. Yes, and and Kiss Alive helped us a lot because. Um, I think then people started to get to listen to that and realize that, yeah, the shows were pretty good. <clears throat> and um, I don't think it was until maybe late September, and they were still weren't playing a lot of Kiss, if any, on WBTS. And the program director, who was really brilliant in regards to promotions and all that, he says, you know, Billy said, uh, Kiss is coming November the 21st. He said, um, why don't you... Um, you know those stupid letters you used to write us all the time? Why don't you write them again, and, and I'll read them for like two weeks up until the show, leading up to the show, and we'll call it the Kiss Army Letter of the Day, and I'll read it every day till like 5 o'clock in the evening. Now, the bad part about that was is that Rich was very he – was, he was Howard Stern before there was Howard Stern. I mean, wow. he, could do the, he could do the trash talk radio and whatever he could get away with, and – and no matter what was in my Kiss Army letter of the day, Rich always had the last word. So he would put us down mercifully. I mean, he'd say, well, this proves that, you know, the, the, the IQ of the total Kiss Army is you could put on a matchstick. Or, and, of course, our letters, were, wow. our letters were, were brutal, too. We would say, Kiss is bigger than the Beatles or Kiss is bigger than anything. You, you can't, you know, I mean, that, that was our goal is, is it was, a, it was going to be a kiss world, whether they liked it or not. Wow. Right. And, and, and that was, that was our thing. So our letters got crazier and, but unfortunately Rich kept getting his, his, his licks in at the end. Well, um, one of the crazier things we used to do just for kicks, cause we didn't have anything to do in Terre Haute was, um, Jay convinced some guys or we both convinced some kids, some friends of ours. Uh, one of them was my younger brothers, as a matter of fact, to paint up like the band, and we would take them through the local mall and just to see what kind of a silly reaction we would get from people, you know. Well, and, and we didn't we didn't consider promotion; we just did it something to do to kill time. And eventually, one night we 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 drove by the radio station with these kids, and we had them go up to like the door and knock on the door. Well, one night we did it. The program director's wife was real excited, and she opened up the door and she said, um, "Uh." Kiss heard about what you guys are doing, and they want to meet you. Wow! Well, oh, I had, I had awesome. found out that night that the that the concert had sold out, and at nice. that time the only other the only other concert that had sold out in Terre Haute at that time was Elvis, and that was like in May of that year. So, Errol Smith, Leonard Skinner, and all these other bands, the Doobie Brothers, the Eagles, none of them sold out. Kiss did. So all of a sudden, I'm like, 
I'm just, my, I'm numb because I'm like, I really didn't want, this was not, I wasn't intended to meet the band or anything like that. This was just something that was done on a lark. I mean, I, I didn't have a job. Jay had just gotten into his freshman year at college. So he had to kind of like scale back some of his kids stuff because it was real important for him to get his education. He, I mean, this, this wasn't anything but just something that we were doing just on a lark. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's where we, that's where we <clears throat> stopped right there. Now, this will lead me into my next question, which if you are in any way, shape, or form connected to the KISS Army in whatsoever form, you have heard about, and I throw this up with, as Mike likes to say, quotations, the fateful day around the radio station where the KISS Army has formed around the radio station to force them to play KISS. Bill, give us the real story. Well, and, and you know, I, I hear this quite often, and, and I understand people people like to dig Gene about this, but I, I honestly <laughs> think it's—I honestly think this is a sincere um, mistake because um, the day the kiss came was it was a huge production. I mean, we had the U.S. Army meet him at the airport. A couple hundred fans met him at the airport as well. They had a caravan drive downtown, and top it all off, KISS came into WBTS to play disc jockey, which was kind of ironic considered a year or so ago I couldn't even get their music on the radio station. So, here's the band coming from the airport in limousines and they drive all the way into the radio station. Well, the radio station's a, a ranch house way out in West Oak, and kids were already tipped off that KISS is going to be there. So, yes, fans had surrounded the radio station because they were waiting to get a glimpse of the band. And back then, you didn't see Kiss without makeup or whatever. I mean, it was just, it was unusual. Right. And, of course, the band came off the off the plane in makeup and all that. But when Gene drove into the radio station, he drove into the radio station that was surrounded by Kiss fans. Because he honestly, sincerely believed it. Because I ran into him in 92, and the first thing he asked me, the first thing, after not speaking with me, like, for years, was he said, Billy, get me a picture of kids surrounding the radio station. So he truly believed it, and we'll get into and, that and, later. And, we'll get into that later on in the conversation. But I just really, I really, really, and I'm sure we both want to know what was the real story behind that. Well, that that was what it was. Was that um, uh, Kiss came to play disc jockey that day, and they came to the radio station, and the radio station was surrounded by fans, Kiss fans, and and what have you. And I think that was what stuck in their mind because it's not something that they did a lot. And um, that's what, you know, that's the, the real story. I mean, everything I've told you, you know, with, with the band and, and how it happened, we never had to surround the radio station. Nobody was threatened. Nobody was was um, tied up or um, good old gagged. Or yeah. We didn't take over the We didn't take over. And, you know, then I had people come up to me and say, well, you know, um, I like Gene's story better. And I said, well, yeah, but I don't Aww. feel like, I don't want to have like a Brian Williams moment where I say <laughs> something. And somebody says, well, you know, Bill, I was there and it didn't happen that way. So, and, and you know, like it ruined Brian Williams' career. I don't, I don't want to have to, um, you know, there's a lot of people that were, should get, should get as, as much credit behind this as, as, uh, as I always get. And, and because of that, I owe it to them to tell them the truth. I don't want to get you. I don't want to get you into too much trouble, but I've heard that story before. You may not have to drop the name, but I don't. I don't care about litigation. Was it Susan McGowan from Kistory? 
Yeah, but see, Susan's a, Susan's a good person. We, she her is. And I met. She is. But we met, and I, I, as a matter of fact, she was the one we met at a KISS convention here, and I and I laughed, and I said I was very flattered to be in KISS 1, and I said, but the true story of the KISS Army didn't happen that way. And she said, I like Gene's story better. And I Look, said, well, I bought, I bought KISS well, and, and, and this is this. Yep. Rich Dickerson, my adversary, co, you know, in, in the KISS Army, I, I told Rich that one day. I said, guess what they're saying about the Kiss Army? And you know what Rich said? He laughed and he said, I love it. <laughs> Let's run with it. I'm thinking, yeah, but it didn't happen like that. So why, even Rich Dickerson liked it. Why promulgate a lie when you can produce the truth? You were the ground roots. You made it happen. If you say it's so, it's so. People well, prefer the legend. to some people, it sounds more sensationalistic when we did it that way. Everybody has a different theory. One guy said that um, he thought Kiss liked it, the other the other story because he thought it made them look better. I don't know about that. I mean, I think I think the way we did it sounds more realistic, and it just it was a gradual thing over several months. Understand. And um, you know, I was very lucky. We were all very lucky. Everything had to happen at the right time. Me, Jay, Rich Dickerson, the disc jockeys, Kiss Alive, all that had to fall into place for this to happen. Now, when did and it the... just did. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And it just did. So uh, I've never been upset over the fact that Kiss surrounded the radio station or whatever. Never bothered me at all because I'm telling you, I truly believe that Gene sincerely believed it. And he gets a lot of crap about, oh, well, you know, it comes from Gene. It's It's fabricated or it's overblown or it's made up stuff. No, I think he truly believed it. There, and and that's fine. There's no offense to to that particular point, but a lot of times you have to take what Gene Simmons says with a grain of salt and a whole lot of alcohol because he really believes in what he's saying <laughs> even oh, yeah. if it's half truth or no truth at all. Well, there's a Gene Simmons you can get one on one and then there's the Gene Simmons you're gonna get if you're the media. And that's just the way it is. And the Gene Simmons you guys see on the media isn't the Gene Simmons I've known. Which is going to lead me and to my next sometimes, question. Sometimes Go, ahead. Go ahead. Sometimes it's gotten him in trouble, and that's you know that's neither here nor there. But you know, it's just that's just what it is. He's a, he's he's he looks at it in a different way, and then that's fine because and that's what helps keep the band alive. Speak into the microphone, Ed. I want to hear what you have to say. Gene Simmons is like an awesome promoter. Like every time I see him on TV, he's promoting the business of Kiss. So I think I think a lot of times that gets convoluted as being like full of yourself or just or arrogant. Yeah, and And, and you're right. Great point. This is his business. Kiss is his life. Yes, Kiss is a business, and um, and that's fine. Like I said, but if you talk to him off the record, then he's a real sweet person. I mean, it's nothing like you. I mean. But he, you're not going to see that, Gene Simmons. Unless you meet you know, him. You may not. Unless you meet him. And I've only met him once in my entire life. And from the time I was very young, he was my hero. And the first time I met him, which was the only time I met him, he was an incredibly gracious human being, which leads me to my next question. When did the band catch wind of what you were doing, and how did they include you? Um, the band found out when the promoters – like I said, when when um, the um, when Rich Dickerson's wife met us at the door, when we had brought the unknown soldiers of the Kiss Army to VTS that night, um, they had 
NTM Limited, who was promoting the thing, um, was in contact with a coin management, and a coin, they told the coin that the concert had sold out. Well, coin was very sharp about this stuff, and they said, well, promotion-wise, what were you doing differently that you didn't do for the Doobie Brothers, Eagles, and all these other bands that did not sell out Holman Center? Because probably at, at the most, those crowds were like 6,000 or so, and the kids had sold out 10,000 plus. Well, the NTAM Limited people went back to the radio station and said, well, okay, what did, what did you do promotion-wise? And they laughed and said, well, this crazy kid was calling himself the Kiss Army and was writing us these letters, and it's been going on for months. And they said, oh, Kiss what? And they said, we want to meet this guy. And so then VTS said, is it okay if we give them your phone number, Bill, and have them contact you? And I said, yeah, sure. I mean, I just had no idea what was going to happen. I mean, and then... Oddly enough, on my birthday, November the 10th, I got a phone call from Alan Miller, who was like, in my opinion, the number two guy at a coin management, and that and that started a long relationship between he and I in regards to promoting the upcoming KISS show and eventually, you know, the KISS Army. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, definitely. So the official we KISS... Were, we were talking daily. Wow. Uh, I mean, it was funny. It was a collect call kind of situation, and they wanted to... They wanted Terre Haute to replicate the, what was done in Cadillac. Well, I wasn't aware of what had happened in Cadillac because back then, rock and roll news was really at a slow pace, slow for, and, pace. I mean, and for those listeners who don't know what happened in Cadillac, Michigan, that was when a high school football team had pumped their team up using Kiss music, and they ended up winning a championship. And they invited Kiss into the town to do a parade, and the city leaders put on Kiss makeup. And it was just an event. And so that's what Bill's referring to right now. Yeah, and their 40th anniversary is coming up real soon, too. And they're going to have a big um, celebration there, I believe, next month. We're in Cadillac? Yes. I can't wait to see that. Yes. They're having, They're having. Um, uh, unfortunately, I, <laughs> we're not doing anything in Terre Haute, which I'm, no. I'm really kind of disappointed. I'm really kind of disappointed in, but I mean, I've I've put a few feelers out there, and nothing's happening right now. So it kind of it kind of it kind of discourages me because of the scope of what is known now as the Kiss Army. That the birthplace of said fan club is not being recognized forty years after the fact. I know, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Nobody's. I know. I don't know what. I don't know what to tell you. On it. it doesn't matter about the amount of money they make on it. It just. The recognition of no, I, what I, was done. I agree with you. It's the backing that you need. I yeah. agree with that too. <clears throat> it, it, if I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not disappointed in the band. I'm disappointed in, in my my hometown because I think more needs to more more needs to be done, and it, it never has been. And I don't know why. I mean, unless it's there's just some apprehension about. I don't know, unless... I can understand, like, in the 70s when they thought Kiss was a taboo kind of thing. <laughs> Nights in Satan's service, but now, 40 years later, I mean... I don't know. I love that I don't reference. know. I, I've yeah. had people tell me... That they're, they've talked to people like city council members and all that, and I don't know. Could you Nothing. imagine, Could you imagine, Bill, real quick, USA Today, who did an article with you about a year ago, coming into Terre Haute, and I know you live in Speedway now, Coming into Terre Haute, having Bill Starkey there, 40 years later, trumpeting the inception of the Kiss Army and having some sort of, 
I don't want to say a parade, but some sort of recognition of what was done 40 years ago and how it's become this worldwide phenomenon now, bringing some notoriety to the town, and they're not backing it? No. That that yeah, that boggles my mind. That, that is crazy. I, I have theories on that, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, Eddie has theories on a lot of things, and I agree with him no, on this well, one. I agree well, with him. Well, I have some theories too, but they're they're more off the record stuff. I'm not gonna, you know, I no, no, I'm just saying, I don't like, know. If the, if the big three isn't involved, nobody wants to get behind it. Fair, fair, fair. You know, it, it it's sad. Because well, and right now, like even the festival circuit is a very dirty word right now. Yeah, because people go to them and they feel like they're being ripped off, and nobody will just do a legitimate. I don't event, know. You get you, know? you give me a festival and I got forty bands in front of me. I'm getting for my twenty dollars a, a great a great. It, it's day of fine music. if you and I did it. Yeah, correct. You it, better, if someone you better, like yeah. Clear Channel does it, you're gonna get raped. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right, we're gonna move forward. So now, Bill, the band gets wind of it. You are brought in. The official, and I say that with quotation marks around it, the official Kiss Army gets started by Bill Coin, and I believe it was uh, Boutwell? Yes, Boutwell Enterprises, Ron How, Boutwell. Okay, so the official Kiss Army gets started. How much input do you have? And in a further question, not only just your input, how much are you compensated, if anything? We... um. Originally, when when Alan Miller contacted me, uh, it, he put in writing that he wanted the Kiss Army to be run out of Terre Haute, and um, he felt that I should need to go out and get a post office box. And um, it was starting to look like that's probably what we were going to do. Eventually, though, I never met Bill Coyne until the night of the show, and Bill and I had a private discussion and. I don't know. Bill made some sort of a strange asked some sort of a strange question, like, "What is it that I was looking for? What did I want out of this whole deal?" Which I wasn't sure what he meant by that because I was basing everything on what Miller had told me, and um, I was just under the assumption that, well, eventually things would happen because let's face it, they were contacting me daily. So eventually, like in um, December, the next month, Alan called me and he said. Um, we want to fly to New York, uh, and, and we want you to be a part of the celebration for Kiss's New Year's party. And so I was flown there, and I hung out with Jim Neff, and it was a great three-day trip to New York. I'd never been to New York, never flown on a plane, never ridden a limousine. All this was was was, was really cool. It was you know, it's probably part of my um, what do you want to say, my um, initiation, if you will, initiation or. or part of my payback. And right. um, I did my first interview with David McGee, who was with the Rolling Stone, and that was kind of cool. And it was a cool, the Kiss pool party alone was amazing. If you can imagine seeing Kiss in the pool and stuff like that without the makeup and all that, and that was kind of different. Um, and then I, I came back home to Terre Haute, and my mom got on me, and she said, you know, you, you just can't just keep doing this Kiss stuff because you're not making any money. You need to go out and get a job. Either go to college or get a job. Well, at that time, my high school grades were, wouldn't get me to college, and because it was a, just it just wouldn't, and along with the money factor. So, I got a job working for Columbia House, and um, eventually, about I think about March, I got a, a, a letter from Boutwell, and it was from a, a lady. I can't remember her name was Dore Garber, I guess it was, and she was introducing herself, and she said that 
they would be running the KISS Army. Well, I was kind of shocked by that because I, like I said, I hadn't heard from them for like several months, so I didn't know what was going on. And she basically gave me uh, to a lady by the name of Jennifer Baker, who went by the name of Sergeant Baker, and we would be on a letter campaign slash phone call campaign where we would talk back and forth about KISS. Did she deem herself and, Sergeant Baker, or did she earn that rep- that title? Well, I, I really don't know how Boutwell did that kind of stuff. I knew at the time that Boutwell had, uh, had handled other fan clubs like Elton John and Queen, and she and I talked at great length either through the phone or or by letters, and she told me that she wasn't a KISS fan, nobody there really was, to them, this was just a job. And um, this went on for like a couple years to the point where she never really saw her first KISS show till maybe the time they did the filming for Phantom of the Park, and they played out there at um, whatever the amusement park was out there. Uh, Magic Mountain. Magic Mountain. Magic Mountain, I think, was her first KISS show. And then she contacted me after that, and she says, wow, she said, I finally know now why you're such a intense kids fan. So I've five never... years after the fact, somebody gets on board. Well, I mean, you know, that's the way it went. So um, uh, I got to go to a few shows. It was pretty good. I mean, I could call Alan Miller, and, and um, I got shows to certain certain kids shows where I could get there to travel. And I'll never forget the one night in St. Louis when Bill Aquine gave me a copy of Kiss Originals, and he gave me a big hug, and he says, look, you're famous. And I thought, wow, this is pretty cool, you know. I said, this is this is really neat. So all this time, you know, no one really ever sat me down and said, you know, um, this is the way it's going to be, and it's not going to be any different. Now, one of the positive things about it was that I could, by the, not only was I in contact with Boutwell and, and Jennifer Baker, I could also put in and, re- and ask for KISS merchandise and get as much as I really wanted within reason and no questions asked, free. But at that time, there wasn't a whole lot of KISS merch out there. I mean, right, other exactly. than a couple of belt bucks. And this is the way it went on for a long time. And that was good because what I would do is I would, like, take KISS Army membership kits and I would give them to, like, radio personalities around town all that because I needed to keep my alliances and I wanted to, you know, be be in good graces with these people because, you know, now we were all on good terms and, and, you know, you wanted to keep the avenue open and all that. Hey, let me, let me ask you, I mean, obviously you're dealing with old school. I mean, did you, do you kind of feel like the media of nowadays pushes bands harder I mean, because you guys had to do a lot of footwork back then. You know what I'm saying? And nowadays, it's pretty much somebody can make a uh, a website, somebody can make uh, a Facebook page and kind of push themselves that way. Um, do you guys, like, especially since all the, you know, the footwork that you guys actually did, do you guys kind of, like, I, miss that? Or do you think it helps the industry? Do you think uh, it... I think there's, there's pluses and minuses to it because in, in the old days, you know, uh, if you didn't see Kiss or Alice Cooper or somebody like that, you the, didn't know. the intensity of seeing the first show was so cool that you couldn't go back home and watch the DVDs or any that kind of stuff. And it was by word of mouth. You said, you have to go see this because it's not the same. So I think because of that, the, there, there, was just, there was just an intensity that you don't have nowadays because you can go on YouTube and, and see anybody now. Almost, and, almost and, like an anticipation. Yeah, almost an anticipation. And um, I hate to sound like an old man, but... You know, what the music was in the 70s was just so much better than 
with the way things are nowadays, because nowadays, I mean, um, pretty much is rock and roll dead? I don't know. Gene made that comment a few few months back, and to some degree, rock and roll probably is dead as far as the VMAs go and stuff like that. I mean, right. and uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I want it's like I said, I don't want to sound like the old guy who doesn't want the football to land in his yard or anything like that, but. It's it's not the same anymore. I mean, even even bands like Kiss that play similar type of music probably don't headline the big stadiums like they once did. And if they have to, they have to team up with other bands. Right. It's, um, it's sad because sometimes it seems like they get ridiculed. Agreed. Yeah, right. You know, and Somewhat, but I mean, um, I just kind of laugh at music nowadays because it's just so odd. I mean, it's it's so it's, it's not. So Pre- let me ask you something. Uh, yeah, just a just a quick little side note on that to kind of bring you up to it. Now, say somebody approaches you, especially with the way today is, it's all rehashed. You know, people are redoing movies, people are redoing novels, people are doing everything. Right. Somebody comes up to you and says, "Dude, I got a great idea. I'm redoing Kiss." First of all, do you even like look at him, or do you actually <laughs> laugh at him? Number one, and number two, if you do actually take him up on the idea. What would you tell them? I, I would I would be open minded to it because um, you just never know. I mean, um, I would be a little bit open minded to it because um, it, it, rocks. if you're going to mimic somebody, if you're going to borrow some ideas, Kiss isn't a bad place to start. Right, right, absolutely. They were the marketing machine of the 70s, absolutely. Well, I mean, and I don't think they realized they were a marketing machine. I, I think they just did things. And other people were saying, you know, you ought to do this, you ought to do a comic book, you ought to do that, and they just went along with it. And then eventually they realized, hey, you know. No, I don't disagree with you, but they at, at some point they did realize they were a marketing machine. They were more than a band, they were a brand. And they tried to carry that through a time where brands were not exactly embraced. And they still aren't. They'll they never still will aren't. be. They- they never will they be. As, as a car, it, Bill, if I don't, if you'll allow me to interrupt you, here we are 40 years later, and I'm still fighting people as a Kiss fan with two Kiss tattoos, and I took my 7-year-old to see Kiss, where people say, oh, Kiss, they're a gimmick. Well, yeah, they're a fucking gimmick. But you know what? They put on a great show every single time they go out on that stage. I don't care if it was yep. 1974, 1984, 1994, or 2004, or 2014 when I took my daughter they put on one of the best shows in rock and roll. And I, I've always said, and this goes even farther, that rock and roll, the music art form in itself is a gimmick. I mean, it's just three chords based on blues and a little bit of country. Yep. I mean, yep. we're not talking Mozart or Beethoven here. You got so nobody disagreeing they, with you at this table. Thing, when they say the gimmick thing, I'm not, you know, that doesn't offend me any because to me, you know, rock it's, and roll, whether it be Elvis, Little Richard, or whatever, it was... That's the way it was. Say what you said, Loki. Say what you said again. Say what you said again. So you got three people at this table who definitely do not disagree with that statement. That one word that that starts with the letter E. It's what? Entertainment. It's entertainment. entertainment. Yeah. I said that. Yeah, I mean, Eddie, I'm sorry. (laughs) Thank you. It's entertainment. It really is. And and, and the musicianship can go into it, too, but sometimes there's that fine line between what is musicianship and what is entertainment. Look, when I took my daughter to that show, and I don't mean to throw too much personal in here we went and saw kiss and def leppard in august of 2014 
And my daughter loves both those bands. She's seven, but she loves both those bands. Now, Def Leppard is out there doing their thing, and we have our blanket on the lawn at this shed in Hartford, Connecticut. And she lays back on the blanket with her hands behind her head. And I said, Emma, what the hell are you doing? Def Leppard's out there rocking. And she says, you know what, Dad? Def Leppard's good, but I came to see Kiss. And and that is a testament to what they do. Yes, the music is great. Yes, the music is memorable. But they put on a show. And that's the end result. See, people are too hard on entertainment. They they really are because it, there there's a time. Okay, let me let me stop you, please, Eddie. Let me stop you because I'm looking at the shirt you're wearing, and and Bill, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this out there. He's wearing a zombie T-shirt. I look at people who watch Walking Dead and say this is fantastic entertainment, but they know it's all fake. But the same people who watch The Walking Dead will shit on professional wrestling and say that's all fake. Well, so is The Walking Dead. How are you? What is the difference? What is the difference? The difference was they actually WWF did say that they were not a Thank you. Sports, sports entertainment. entertainment Thank you, Michael. First. Thank you. They didn't say that. They actually told you people that in the beginning. In the real. beginning. Yes. But, but, no, yes. We're going 30 but, years but, ago. Then, go ahead, Bill. I'm me, sorry. Let me go back to something, too, though. And to some degree, yeah, I don't want you to put too much emphasis on the entertainment factor because we still, with the Kiss Army, it was always about the music. Yes. We liked the songs. We like the songs. I don't need pyros or spiral spiders or makeup or all that kind of stuff. I some of my one of my favorite Kiss shows was they were sitting on stools once playing an acoustic set during a Kiss uh, convention, and yeah, I thought the ninety five. I agree with you. The ninety five Kiss convention. I caught the one in Boston, and uh-huh. they played stuff like. All the way. They played stuff like Just a Boy. They played right. stuff that they hadn't played ever live on stage. Right, right. And there I am in the crowd as a Kiss fan going, oh, my God, I never thought I'd hear these with the band on stage. They were fantastic. Right. Actually, some of, the, yep. some of the performance of Kiss I liked, they didn't have makeup on. Amen. And you I'll know, go, so. I'm going to go to that. That's a later question I have for Bill. Yeah, like I said, it's it's the entertainment thing, though. It's like it's not just about the gimmick. Like you can be entertained. It's the music. Time, it's the know? visual. Yeah. It's if, the if, experience. If you can make like one person happy, it's relevant. In Amen. My Thank so, you, Eddie. Right. And Eddie, Eddie is a big, big house music guy. So the fact that he's sitting here and it, it, taking all this in is big to me. <laughs> it's it. You know what, though? It's it's. Here's the thing, like I'm one of those people that I will never say that entertainment, music, movies, whatever has any obligation to be socially relevant or be the next Bob Dylan. Like you are not obligated to do that. No, big, re- big respect, well, man. What, respect. what you're obligated to do is to connect with your fans. Amen. That's it. And, That's and right. I, I, honestly, if putting on the makeup and having a pyrotechnic show got asses in the seats. Every 18 so inches. Hallelujah. Every 18 inches. <laughs> so be it. So that leads me to my next question, Bill. What were some of the perks you got from KISS from being the genesis of the KISS Army? Well, um, first and foremost was, was the fame that went with it. I mean, um, and that's something that still goes on even today. Um, you know, I got a nice trip to New York, and I got some, got some concert tickets. I got backstage privileges to some stuff that uh, most fans today probably I don't even think they're they couldn't afford. I, I mean, I kill, I yeah, couldn't for, even fathom. I'd kill it. for some of the perks that you probably got. Yeah, I mean, I have people like that come, have come up to me at Kiss Expos and say, you know, I would love to trade places with you and all that, and and that's very complimentary and and that's, that's cool. And um, 
I would say you know, do it, it, it was a, It was a lot of fun. I mean, because I saw rock and roll from in a, in a period or a time when I, it was prime for me, you know? So it was. I was almost like the kid in Almost Famous. I mean, it was... <laughs> I love it, that it was one of those. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those cool things. So I mean, as far as the perks go about that, you know, that's that's you know, it's, it's kind of hard to um, put into put into words. I mean, um, was there a lot of disappointment involved? Well, yeah, there were some when I finally came to the realization that that I wasn't going to run the Kiss Army and. Um, that I would eventually have to just go to work like any other other person because I was I was insane about the band. I was um, probably would have needed counseling. I would have probably killed for the band, and that was from the early early time on. And um, that's nothing I would apologize for. Um, that's just the effect they had on me. And then once you met them as people, Gene and Paul especially, you know that they could get you to you know. You just found out that they were special people. See, I would love, I would love to introduce you to some of the people I know, so you can give them lessons on on what a real street team is. Because that's the impression I'm getting is you have figured out like everything that goes into making a perfect street team. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. That street team, that that what you just brought up, the street team. And I was the leader of a street team for a band. It's very important. Well, I mean, you know, there was other lessons I learned from Gene and Paul. I mean, the one of the funnier things is um, the reputation that rock and rollers had in the 70s, and Gene and Paul were straight guys. Satan? And that influenced me a big, yeah. big, a lot, too, because um, to this day, I never, I don't drink, I don't smoke. You know, of course, of course, of course you don't do drugs. But when I was around them and I saw all the influences and all that stuff, and I noticed that these were these were guys that always went at, went on stage, you know, with with all their brains and everything else, and put on a good performance. Um, I was impressed. And then later on, like from like 2000 and on, what impressed me the most about the band to this day was is the work ethic, the fact that they are devoted and go on stage and do everything with the utmost, well, with the idea that they're going to give 100 percent. And it's that work ethic that's why they're still. They really don't exactly, need to perform yeah. anymore. Oh, they don't do, they don't do any of that stuff. I see but too. Ma- I it. see. I see too many bands now that go out there and just sit on stools or just stand oh, in yeah. one place that just say, "Oh, you're here to hear the hit." Well, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you need to give me a show because I'm not paying my hard-earned money to see you sit on a stool. Exactly. I yeah. want to see a show, and my girlfriend and I just went and saw Motley Crue about a month ago and they put on a show and these are late fifties human beings that are still running around and doing this with the exception of Mick Mars, who has medical issues. They're still right. putting on a Who's show. Also from Terre Haute. Oh, did you see the show? No, but I was, Mike is from Terre Mars is from Terre Haute. Is he really? Yeah. I didn't yeah, know that. Wow. Yeah. Here's- that's your, that's your terrible fact for the hey, day. That's your fact for the day. There it All is. All right, guys, we're going to be right back with Mr. Bill Starkey. All right, guys, I hope you guys really enjoyed that part one. And uh, like I said, we left you with a nice little cliffhanger there of his um, 
perks and benefits, if you will. Absolutely. I wish I could have been there. As a matter of fact, if you guys <laughs> want to have a little fun with this this week, um, if put yourself in his shoes, and if you could pick one perk that you would get from Kiss themselves, what would it be? And if you're not a Kiss fan, I'll, I'll, I'll just, just expand right. on what you're saying. Say your favorite band yeah. is, I don't know, um, Say it's Mark Slaughter. For, sure. For, for Kira gets out there. Yeah, props to you, Kira. Um, yeah, if, if you're the fan club president of, say, the Slaughter fan club, the Queensryche fan club, the Kanye West fan club, we hear you, Eddie. We know you're out there. What kind of perk would you like from them? Exactly. And they seek, they seek you out. Right. That was the beauty of that. that whole that's story. exactly it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, especially like he said, you know, you, you turn around and, and you have. The actual members of KISS asking your point of view or what you thought about that or this, mm -hmm. that, and the other thing. So, I mean, that's, like I said, he 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 was more than willing mm -hmm. to give out the information. Oh, and yeah. I hope you guys really enjoyed part one. Um, hour one was fun, but hour two yeah, is going to open two, your eyes, really. I think, I think hour two, we and, and the, the best part about the next episode is we, we each had questions. Mm -hmm. Where he had to stop and think about it. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's not like they can. And he said it. I think he said it either in the phone call or in the interview. Can't remember which one. The phone call with me the in the days prior. He says, right. I, I told him, I says, I don't want to get you in a situation where there's possible litigation where Kiss is going to come down on you and say, well, we heard you said this. And he said, it's, it's so long after the fact that some of these stories have been told. Some of these stories have never been told. I'm not. I'm not in fear of it. What can they do? I'm speaking my opinion. Yeah. I'm an American. And America. To me, I was like, wow, he's got it. He he's got his priorities straight. He's got his head on straight, and he told the story. It was fantastic. I loved it. That's, I loved I part two even more. I I agree. I I definitely agree. Like I said, I I think it was like uh, we really did need to break down part one until into a point where, like we said, where you really had to get to know him and and really experience where he was coming mm -hmm. from but like I, I mean one of the biggest things that i want to especially a lot of our younger listeners i want them to understand the leg work that he did you guys gotta understand like there wasn't any of the technology no. that was going on back then when he made flyers he literally drew flyers and then copied them by oh, yeah. hand calling radio stations right exactly and and actually going to the radio stations or going and traveling all this way to make sure that he gets there you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying all the things that he did to make this happen, just in that alone is is respectable it goes it goes back to a lot of things that we say in, in do it yourself you do the legwork you get. You do the work you get rewarded. Right. But at the same time, in 1975, you're absolutely right. There was no internet. There wasn't a huge web of you know even tape traders. Tape trading came in more in the 80s, but there wasn't a network where he could reach out to other fellow Kiss fans. He did this right. on his own. Right. The word got out, and they came to him. That's to me. That's the best thing about it. That is. They came to him. That is. That is the coolest. So it, part. Mike gave you a little bit of uh, something to think about and chime in on, and I want to give you all a little something to think about. Is is there anything you've ever done from the ground up that you're proud of? I mean, I know this. This is what I'm proud mm -hmm. of. We've done this from the ground up. Um, my, we talked about it a few hundred. 40 episodes ago, I don't know how many, um, when I became pen pals with Eric Carr before yeah. he passed away. That's from the ground up. I wrote a letter, never expected a response. It turned into a four-year pen pal relationship with, that's, a, with a fucking superstar. Yeah, that's cool Amazing. Shit, that's cool fucking shit. So if you've got anything out there that you've done from the ground up, you're superiorly proud of, in in the vein of celebrity, please let us know. Absolutely. And um, I, I do have another 
like I said, we're going to have segments, mm-hmm. different segments. Um, the newest one, of course, is going to be a game review for me. Ooh. Yes, yes, yes. Um, still working on the title. Okay. So uh, what I'm calling it right now is Loki's launch. Okay. Meaning, uh, you know, obviously the launch of a new video game. Correct. And this week... I have had the pleasure, and as as you know, I'm a big Warhammer buff. Mm-hmm. I have all my painted miniatures and shit like that. Absolutely. Now. Well, one of the one of the things that they used to have was called Blood Bowl, and it's a it's a cross between football and Warhammer. Okay. So there's orcs, there's goblins, there's all these things. So I picked up a copy of Blood Bowl Two for Xbox One. <laughs> it is also out for PlayStation Four. So this game is everything you would expect it to be. It's a turn based like a board game on the video game screen with the in-between cutscenes of say your guy beating the crap out of the other guy we've mentioned our age about a hundred thousand times on this show but i gotta tell you that reminds me of the uh, the second generation of atari which i think was the atari 5200 where they had stratego Right on a video game, right. but they didn't have cutscenes. You right. played the board game on the TV, exactly. And this wow. is the same idea. It is essentially the board game. It is it, it is a very fine, re, you know, re- rendition of the board game. They do a great job. There's uh, eight eight races to start with. You got the orcs. You got the the high elves, the wood elves. You got Bretonians. You got the Empire. You got the Skaven, which are the little rat guys. Okay. Those guys are really cool to watch. <laughs> and um, I think there's the undead, and then I already said dwarfs. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's a really, really if if it's if you're into that type of game, if you're into that type of strategy, let me let me be. It is a football game, but it's not necessarily offense versus defense there is one ball the end zones over here and the end zones over there and that's what you now imagine trying each one of you is trying to get that ball into the end it zone it sounds to me like a cross between mortal kombat and nfl blitz there you go but wow. but but you do have to be strategic because like i said it's turn based it's like a board game okay so i mean i will have to give this a 7.3 and i am a fanboy i am a fanboy of all things warhammer okay. they did a great job as far as like some of <laughs> Some of the cutscenes are hysterical. You, know, you, you say the word fanboy, and it, it's it, the fans of something are sometimes the most honest. Well, you got to also remember, like I, this is the way I look at it: when somebody makes a game or when somebody makes a movie or something, they don't do it for the fanboys. Right. They do it to bring new people in. They the know will pick it apart. Exactly. Right. But they also know the fanboys are going to buy it regardless mm-hmm. just because of the name that you throw on it. You know what I'm saying? It could be, like I said, you could wrap a pile of crap and throw Halo on it and I'm going to buy it just because it's oh, got the see, stupid I'm, Halo you know, logo on I'm it. I'm somewhat the same way and it goes right back to our guest this week and next week is Bill Starkey. I'm the same way. You put Kiss on a recording. I'm going to try it out, but I'm going to be honest when I'm done with it. Right. Yes, I'm going to buy right. it. Right, exactly. I've made that mistake exactly. before, buying a Kiss record, sight unseen, when it comes out and being like, wow, this is the worst piece of garbage. Oh, this is 1987, really crap. Crazy Nights, <laughs> perfect example. And Nat Peterson, who we had on in the wrestling episode, is also a huge Kiss fan. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he is this of the same mindset. He's like, how could they even press this? This is garbage. As a matter of fact, um. Our boy Bill, same thing. The yeah. 80s, the 80s kiss. He wasn't 
Right. He wasn't very fond let, of. Let, let's not spoil <laughs> part two. <laughs> but no, that was uh, and like he and I, I said. Had a dis- we, you were here. We had a discussion on mm-hmm. that. Was, there were there were some really shining moments, and the rest of it could have been left behind. Yep. You could have taken, and I heard this on another Kiss podcast. I don't think I said it to Bill. You could have taken uh, the '80s was music from the Elder. Lick it up. Animalize. I'm showing how geeky I am about Kiss right now. I'm naming these '80s albums off. The Elder, Creatures of the Night, Lick It Up, Animalize, Asylum, Crazy Nights, and Hot in the Shade. So seven records in the 80s. Yeah. You could have taken two songs off off of each record that are stellar, put it on one record, had it be your shining moment of the 80s, and taken all 30-plus songs that were left over and dumped them. Yes. They were terrible. Yes. So, you know, yeah, The but as a fan, you would, you have a certain expectation, and when it fails... You're looking at yourself, and you're like, why? Why am I doing this? Al Pacino. Al Pacino makes a slew of great movies, then he comes out with a clunker, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Hey, you he know. I... Could have just stayed at home. Exactly. Exactly. There's a few actors like that. <laughs> Fortunately. Musical acts, uh, actors, yeah. sports teams. It happens, you know? Sometimes you just pick up something you think is going to be a good idea, and it's the worst idea well, you absolutely. ever fucking had. <laughs> um, let, me, let me throw this out here to you. Um, we got Starkey. We have the Bill Starkey Part 2 next week. Yes. We have my on the road from Charlotte, North Carolina, which is going to be that. all things NASCAR. Oh. So all you NASCAR fans, get up for this one. This is going to be a special treat for you. I will be doing this. I'm going to be bringing back some old school NASCAR because oh, that's when I watched. Because <laughs> little little surprise for you guys is before I do this interview uh, interview before I do what I do on this show, I'm going to the NASCAR Hall of Fame. The day before. Yes. I'm also going to the formerly Bush, I think it's the Xfinity Series now, race the night before. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be, A, hungover, B, probably not going to be able to hear very well, so I'm going right. to bring my earbuds so I can hear Loki when he talks to me. Um, it's going to be a lot of information. Uh, I got pit passes, so I'm going to try to talk to as many people as I can, write stuff down, get opinions. It's going to be all-encompassing. However, we should... Briefly, the week after, revisit our MLB picks. And I know you have it archived. And I think iTunes dropped it for some yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah. But season's ending, folks. We're coming We're coming down to the wire, and we want to see how we did. I, I want to see how we did. Yeah. So, I mean, we, I think we were pretty damn good, except for oh, fucking East. Except for Boston. <laughs> except for the East, man. I well, mean, you know, we pretty much. Okay, mark this date down on your calendars, kids. Tomorrow's, well. When you hear this, it's actually, September 26th. actually, we weren't too far off. I mean, what uh, the Yankees are? What second? Second with a game and a half, right? And 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 we actually had flip flop. We had the Red Sox where Boston, or we had Red had Sox where third. Yankees were. I had Red Sox winning the World fucking Series. Yeah, no, see, I didn't have them winning the World Series. I had Series. them beating San Francisco, if I'm not mistaken. I'm gonna go back and re-listen yeah. on Potomatic, no, where you can still get all of our episodes. No, I think that's a good idea, definitely. <clears throat> okay, so. Without further ado, if you want to save 15% or more on car insurance, or if you want to hear Loki's top 10, it's the final countdown. That's still what they this, do. Still love this fucking song. Save 15% or more. Three, that's, that's my limit. Three. Those choice. Quattro's. <laughs> <laughs> so I put it up on the Facebook page for those that are listening on Saturday or any other day. 
I was waiting all week to hear what you were going to do this week. <laughs> I was, I was. Don't I, let I, me down. I, no, no, this is going to be funny. All right, this this is going to be. I'm sorry. I'm glad. The I apologize in advance, Bill. I'm glad the midget <laughs> left the room. <laughs> me too. Oh, you're apologizing was... to. Bi- oh no, <laughs> he's never going to give us another minute of talk time ever. Bill, no, this, you can still talk to me, dude. This has nothing to do with Kiss, except for the fact that each one of these groups of people, Kiss and this group, wear lots of makeup. That, okay. There no, you go. You there hear you that go. pregnant pause? That was me thinking. I'm all I can Top think of. Top ten. Uh oh. Ridiculous porn star names. <laughs> <laughs> and and I in case I... and it, I will give you whether it was a male or a female after I name them off. Okay. Oh God. And I I had to I threw him. I, all right. There there actually was a guy named Bendover. By yeah. the way. I didn't want to throw him in there. It's just too fucking Kids, easy. Kids, I just got through telling Loki before we went on that I went a week without beer. And just to hear this, I have to crack <laughs> one. I know I'm going to need to be medicated. So so my honorable mention uh-huh. goes to Mr. Buster Hyman. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a lawyer. Doesn't it, man? So... All right, so this this just goes to let you guys know where where this is going to. Have be you been going. injured in an accident called bu- called <laughs> Buster Hyman Buster and Good Hyman and how? <laughs> 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 All right, number ten, Miss Justine Beaver. Oh my god. <laughs> She's got to be recent. She's yeah. I think a lot of these. Well, no, there's there's. I'll tell you the two that I know that aren't. Mm-hmm. And actually, number one I know isn't in uh, number four. Okay. Um, Don't ruin it. <laughs> number nine, Mister Lance Thruster. <laughs> Lance. Thruster. <laughs> you could just these sound like bad names you would check into a hotel with. That's why nobody ridiculous. wants to know you were there. Ridiculous names. Can I help you, sir? Ridiculous. I'm Buster Hyman. This, this is Lance is... Thruster. Okay, and of oh course, Miss, and she was Oriental. Okay, Fanny Depp. <laughs> I think she was trying to do the Johnny because they they don't do the but I mean they should have spelled I, it. If I'm not mistaken, an A in the oh, Oriental world right. is like an is O. An o. So, she's so it's Fanny Depp. Depp. You're right. Oh, good call. Good call. Good thing I threw her in there, but I'm she still you... made number eight. <laughs> glad I threw her in there. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is the kind of quality entertainment you get for us for, for free. free. Now leave a Come fucking on. review. Come, Come on. on. All right, number seven, and this guy is white, which makes it even better. Oh, God. Mr. Robin Hood. (laughs) (laughs) Now, couldn't you just see him being from Ebonics, right? Right? No, this guy is like Malkafor for free. He is white, white, Okay, stop. I I, got to know now. I don't even want to get to number one. How did you do this research? I actually looked up uh, ridiculous porn star Okay, no, that's fair. And they gave me they gave me like fifty of them. I just I just you know (laughs) from part of me part of me was afraid to ask that question because you're gonna say oh I've got a Footlocker upstairs with hundreds and no no actually it did it did get me going originally because uh, what's her name Uh, Tia Carrera the the lookalike was recently in the news the the porn star Tia Carrera. It's a uh, TD TD career or uh, something yeah, like I, that. I, you know I, what I'm talking about? I'm familiar. She yeah, looks yeah, yeah. just like her, but she's got huge knocks. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? 
Um, and that made me think about it. And I was like, man, I'd like to do a top 10 list of that. And then I freaking I started looking into the wow. names. And okay. some of them, some of them were just ridiculous, like yep. I said. Number six, this goes out to my Star Wars fans. Mr. Luke Thighwalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Number five goes to Miss Vanna. You might want to take a deep breath first. <sighs> there you go. V- vaginally holy. Whoa. Oh, my God. Yeah, but the the Danaline Holy. It's supposed to be like Angelina Jolie, but it's uh Vagelina Jolie. Vagelina Holy. Oh, there it is. There it is. I couldn't spit that freaking word out. Okay, and that's your what number four? That's five. Five? Oh, she should have been lower. She should have been like nine. Well, you got no. You'll see. Okay. This is one of the ones that's oh because it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's why she's higher. Never mind. Yes. Number four. And this is one of the guys I think is old school, and okay. I, I like this one. I really do. It, it, he was almost my number one. I fought between him and number one for a little bit. Yep. John Cutesack. <laughs> <laughs> Let me That's, guess. Let me guess. He was in Lay Anything? Probably. <laughs> yep. Forrest Hump? Number three, Miss Teen Laquifa. <laughs> oh, my God. Your parent, your parents are yes. all proud. All yes, of you, you are. All of you. They're Number proud. two, I don't know how she gets any work, especially when it comes to uh, oral. Miss mm-hmm. Ginger Vitus. Oh my god! <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, you know that's a great name for a character in a video game, but for oh, Ex- exactly. I'm done. I'm done. I, I don't even want to go to number one. I number say we one. Cut the show now. Oh no! Oh, right. yeah, I should have played that music. <laughs> that is for Ginger Vitus. <laughs> Instead of hitting the drum roll, I hit Dracula. And you know what, Ginger Vitus, you you earned that. Earn that one. All right, so. So the number one top ten ridiculous porn star name that I believe, Mr. Rocky Balboner. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Hey, wait, me. I'm a violin. I'm a violin. Yeah, he goes off uh, the Viagra, you know what I'm saying? And it's just not going down. It's, it's, no, it's, it's, like, it's all over the place. Yeah, I'm going to beat you with this thing. It's not, so, it's not as hard you get hit. It's how many times I hit it and keep coming back. And, and, and the lightning and the thunder. <laughs> but guys. <laughs> you got to give me a second. <laughs> I told you. See, John Cutesack and 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 Rocky Balboner were, oh, you know, it was it was one of those closer men, but killing I had to. Me. I, I had to do it, man. All right. All right. So because this is everything kiss, um we usually go back and forth for the outros. But because this is everything kiss, the honor shall go on to my partner Jabroni for the next two episodes. Wow! Oh yeah. Well, yeah. It, you know that that I appreciate that. That makes I, sense. I won't be know. here for the tenth, so you'll be all over it. I'll hear Kanye. No, if you, if you love me, I won't that ain't, that ain't happening. Kanye is not making. The only time Kanye ever gets recognition on our show is when Focus is here and mentions his name, and that's, that's it, a good point. people. Guys, thank you for listening. <laughs> hope it. you hope you enjoyed part one, part two. Did somebody say steak? (laughs) George Bush does not care about white people. Hope you enjoyed part one. Part two is next week. Leave those reviews. We got a crystal. We got a crystal. Tell me the name of it. I always call crystal it crystal skull vodka. Crystal skull. It it is literally crystal. It's because the the bottle is. Why do I want to say crystal head? 
It's not Crystal Head. No, no, it's it's. I think Crystal Head is. I think maybe that is a vodka too. But it's Crystal Skull because the skull I, no, is I've actually the, bottle, the vodka yeah. is actually in the shape of a skull. Am I wrong in thinking? Um, I could have sworn I know. I thought Dan Aykroyd was a part of. He is. Is he really? He, it is his See, vodka. Guys, it you is want, his you want some vodka. Dan Aykroyd vodka. It is his vodka. Autographed. Yes. I'm getting. I'm getting the legwork done. We have two out of four that are ready. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is leave those reviews. We pick one. You get a fine bottle of Crystal Skull vodka. Autograph. Aykroyd's on on vodka. Autograph. Every person on the show so far. Not that it means anything, but including us. Yeah. No, that means everything. Well, I would like to think so. <laughs> and also leave on the page in a private message. See, details are everything. A private message. Who's gonna win the Super Bowl? Brand new, free, your size, your player availability uh-huh. in question. Your team, let's just put it that way. Your team. If you're a Dallas fan and you pick the Seahawks to win the Super Bowl, you get a Dallas jersey for free. Yeah. A $200 jersey for free. You guys can get a Romo jersey, even though it might not be as strong in the shoulders as other no, jerseys. I think it's got a crack in the collarbone if yeah. I saw the ad correctly. Yeah. Guys, we're giving shit away for free. All you have to do is your end of the work. Yep. Review us. Love us. You know you want to. And to end out, week one of Bill Starkey, one of my favorite Kiss songs, I Stole Your Love. <laughs>